Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In all three of the readings today, we are going to hear about God's grace and the power of God to change and transform our lives. And as we look at God's grace, what we find is that it's not dependent upon our perfect performance. Thanks be to God. You know, uh, it drives me absolutely crazy when I make mistakes and things are in the bulletin wrong. Um, but if everything upon my performance, then with God I'd have to get everything perfect in the book or I'm in big trouble. God's grace says you're not going to get it perfect, but I am here for you. I have done this for you and I offer a new life to you without you having to get everything perfect. And that to me is good news and I hope that that's the good news of the gospel to each of you as well. And Paul in his letter summarizes the good news of what the gospel is all about. For he says to us, I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then he appeared to the whole list of people that we heard that Jesus appeared to. And what it points to us in this season of epiphany as we continue to move through this season is we see that Jesus is who he says he is. That's what Paul is saying. That Jesus came among us, he gave himself for us, he died for our sins and then rose again, conquering over sin and death forever so that we might live so that we might be declared not guilty for our faults and failures. And that message of grace is evident throughout all of these readings. For the first reading talks about the prophet Isaiah, and he has this vision. And he says, woe is me. I'm hopeless. And then we have that scene where the coal is taken from the altar, and it touches his lips. And then he is declared not guilty. Your sin has been taken away. Your offenses have been blotted out. And we might think, well, that might not make any sense to us. What's this coal have to do with it? But I think in seeing that, it's an image of God's grace because we, what we would expect is if a hot coal is attached to us, we would expect the story to say something like, well, and then he caught on fire. But he didn't because it's, it's an image of God's grace that this hot coal doesn't burn him up, but somehow sets him free, somehow delivers him, somehow blots out his offense, when what we would think it should do would be destroy him, and it doesn't. And then we see in Paul's letter that he even considers himself uh, hopeless, as he says, well, God, Jesus appeared to all these people, 
And finally, to me, Paul says, the least of the apostles. Because Paul was the biggest persecutor of the church, killing all the people who wanted to follow Jesus because he thought they were wrong. And the grace of God worked in his life to move the chief uh, persecutor of the church to one of the greatest apostles, whose letters make up countless sections of the New Testament that we read today. And that demonstrates the power of God to change and transform our lives, to work over the circumstances, and to do what doesn't seem naturally possible by our mathematical calculations or what we're able to see in the here and now. And it's the same thing in the Gospel passage, where we hear Jesus encounter Peter, and they're coming back from fishing. And they've been fishing all night, and these are professional fishermen. This is what they do for a living, and they've caught nothing. Which means they have nothing to eat that day, and they have nothing to sell. A double whammy if that's your whole business. But these are professionals who know what they're doing and have caught nothing. And then Jesus says to them, well, put out your nets over here. And we would probably think like Peter, well, this is just stupid. We've been working all night. We know what we're doing. There's no fish here. And we've just cleaned up. We got everything packed away. And now you say, give it one more try? Forget it. This doesn't make any sense. What difference is this going to make now? But Peter says, but because you say so, fine, we'll do it. And they let down the nets, and then they have so many fish, they can't even bring them in. And again, that says to us, look at the power of God to work in our lives. No matter what we're facing, when we think things seem impossible, when we've tried everything we know in how to make it happen and it didn't work, and then God moves in that same situation and produces beyond what they could have imagined beyond what they could have asked for. And that's the same grace of God that's operating in your life and mine today. No matter what we face, when things seem impossible, when we feel we don't measure up and we can't achieve it, God says, I am here and I will work and you will see things beyond what you can imagine. And then we see in this gospel passage that uh, those who were there, they left everything, it says, and followed him. And we might think, well, that seems weird. They just sort of met the guy here on the shore. But what it demonstrates to us is what happens in response to God working in our life. That we can't go back to the old way. They really have no choice but to follow him because of who Jesus is. And hopefully it works the same way in our own life, that as we see God work in our lives day by day, what are we supposed to do? Can we go backwards? Can we just go back to doing it ourselves? Can we forget that it ever happened? The answer is, of course, no, we can't. And then we leave everything and follow him because who else can we go to? This is a demonstration that Jesus is who he says he is. And where else will we turn? Because what, what happens is that if we don't accept what Jesus has done for us, we're left doing it on our own. And on our own, we find ourselves like Peter, fishing all day but nothing to show for it. 
we find ourselves like Paul in opposition to God and his plans. We find ourselves like Isaiah saying, woe is me. What am I going to do? It's hopeless. But thanks be to God, we have the gift of Jesus Christ. We know that he has come and died for us and set us free. And these three stories that we hear today are meant to encourage us to be on the lookout for God's work in our own life. Because Jesus is alive today. Jesus is at work today. And these aren't three isolated encounters in the past of the way that God used to do things. These are testimonies to the way that God is still doing things and desires to work in your life and mine. And if you look through the Bible, what you'll find is in different places, God encounters people differently, in different ways, and does different things. You won't find a cookie-cutter assembly line where it just says, God did this, and then every other page he says, see the page before it. We just repeated the same thing. But God comes to people in their unique situation, in the time that they're in, whatever they're facing, and works to their good, and giving them what they need in their time. That's the good news of the gospel. That Jesus has done this for us. And through Jesus, we have relationship with God that's not dependent upon our achievement, but is given to us by the grace of God who has set us free. And the same God who worked in Isaiah's life, in Paul's life, in Peter's life, it's the same God by the power of the Holy Spirit that works today in your life and in mine. And we give thanks to God for that reality and the work that he is doing. And may the Holy Spirit open our eyes to see. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord through whom we have reconciliation with you. We thank you that our sins are forgiven and that our relationship with you is not dependent upon our performance. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open our eyes to see you at work in our lives. For we trust in your power, in your goodness, in your love, in your mercy and grace. May we come to see and with our whole being, follow you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace freely given to us. And Jesus, we ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen.